How you guys doing? Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Nick Wilson Show. Sounds like a typical bastard. What's going on in Nick Wilson's mind? My mind is a raging torrent flooded with rivulets of thought. You're about to find out. Look who knows so much. Nick Wilson is on now. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. It is the Nick Wilson Show. The Nick Wilson Show is back, and I am that dude, Nick Wilson. I forgot who joined us, who is going to join us on the show today. Uh, we do have Aditi Kinkabwala, longtime NFL network reporter. She's got a new venture coming up, and she's going to be joining us at noon today to talk about the insanity in the AFC North. Oh, by the way, five questions. The five questions that got me thinking, that got me burning, coming up at 1240. At one, Will Kunkel, the daddy, returns to the show. It's a great day to have Will Kunkel on the station. It's a great day in general, guys. I want to tell you about the thing, the missed opportunity for the Hornets, and I want to tell you about the, the thing that they did right yesterday. Because it has been 24 hours of Steve Clifford in the Charlotte Hornets, especially right here on the show. 1 p.m. yesterday, you heard his introductory press conference on our show. 2.40 on Kyle Bailey. This morning at 7.40, he was on the Mac attack. Also, if Steve Clifford is going to correct Chris McClain on his own show, consider this show a Steve Clifford stan account. I don't know who was right, but this morning, Mac was talking about the pace uh, that the Hornets have played with under Steve Clifford. And Steve Clifford was just like, I, I hate to do this. You're really good at your job, but let me tell you why you're wrong. And I loved every friggin' second of it. Itty bitty. Mac was ultimately right. He was. Yeah. I didn't care. It was the fact that Steve <laughs> Clifford felt comfortable enough to bust the stones of Mac on the air. As, we've as the country's proven in the last eight years, it doesn't matter if you're right. It just matters if you're a a D. However, <laughs> I would like to point out that the show needs to start on a high note. Before we get into Mitch Kupchak's missed opportunity, because we're walking in today, and Itty Bitty Fitty said something that I think everybody needs to hear. You paid me a compliment today. Because, listen, uh, if, if we're talking about what guy has the best ass on this station, it's Kyle Bailey. And I have no problem saying that. That man has a pro dumper, and we salute Bailey's backside. But uh, but I am very uh, I I like to think that I carry a few things around here that are unique and uh, and and luscious in their own way. Itty bitty fitty. Right before we get on air, you give me a compliment. Give I, it to me on air. I did. So you always boast about your calves. Uh huh. And uh, off air, I don't. I'm yeah, a little more humble on air. Off the air, you're always talking about how you have great calves, mm -hmm. and uh, I've made it like a point as of late to just see if if what you're bragging about happens to be true. Mm -hmm. You have the best calves I've ever seen. I th See, because it's not just the best calves at the station. It's the best calves at uh, in, in that you've ever seen in your life. And I feel like you're enough of a nutball that you go around just looking at everybody's calves now. Oh, that is a thing that, you know, when you live in historic Lancaster, you check out calves. That's right. Literally and figuratively. And so I've seen my fair share of calves. Is it because you're always looking for cankles? You're looking for signs of cankles <laughs> on any young paramour? Well, and I mean calves, what you call a little cow. And you know I am pro-mooing at cows for no reason. That is true. But you have the best calves I've ever seen. So, and I say that 
That's really a non sequitur. I just wanted Itty Bitty Fitty to give me that compliment on air because when he said it, it was like, I would have taken best calves at the station. I would have taken best calves in the building. But best calves he's ever seen, I'm feeling it. All right, I'm feeling it. I also, if you wanted to give me a compliment on my shoulders, which is something I also get a compliment on because uh, I am built like a brick, you know what? I would take those as well. In the meantime, there was one thing I heard on the introductory, uh, 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 reintroductory press conference of Steve Clifford yesterday and that I thought was a what-the-hell moment, and there was one thing that I thought that was definitive and perfect and needed to be said. And ironically, neither thing was said by Steve Clifford. The funniest part of the press conference yesterday wasn't what you're going to hear just right now. It was leading up to it. Like three questions in, Mitch Kupchak was asked, so how did this process land on Steve Clifford so quickly after, you know, Kenny Atkinson walked away and that took six weeks to make that higher? And we'll play the sound, but the reason why it was the funniest thing that happened yesterday is Mitch Kupchak... Uh, uh, Mitch Kupchak about fell all over himself like Chevy Chase in the cold open of SNL in 1975 uh, trying to come up with the appropriate answer here's what he mustered up I did inform coach right that we were making a change but we have a relationship and a couple of nights later we went out to dinner right sounds a little unusual right you let somebody go and then two nights later, you're you're having dinner together, right? So he asked me um, during dinner, you know, where I was going to live. And I said, well, I didn't know yet. So he said, um, I happen to have a place that I don't need anymore. So uh, I said, okay, I'll come by and take a look, right? So I, I went by, and it's right uptown here. <laughs> it's a great spot, right? So So I took it. Um, so now, fast forward to about two months ago, right? You know, why are we here today, and why didn't this happen two or three weeks ago? Well, to be honest with you, um, when Michael and I and Buzz talked about Coach, and he kind of left up to, up to me, uh, I was afraid that he might ask for his apartment back. <laughs> so we moved on. And here it is a month and a half later, you know, we figured out a way to make it work. Yeah, it's Steve Reed from the Associated Press. Um, so was that part of the contract? Does he get it back? Or? It's not a part of the contract, but it was a part of the negotiation. I do have to say, it was a pretty good line. As somebody who likes a good story, who likes a good punchline, for the fact that Mitch took uh, about a Lord of, Lord of the Rings journey to get to the punchline, it's pretty good. The problem is... That was kind of the most important question. It has now been two press conferences in about four and a half weeks with Mitch Kupchak, where the most important question, he just didn't answer. Like the, the James Borrego press conference, which came four weeks after uh, James Borrego got fired. All right, uh, why did you fire uh, James Borrego? Uh, well, I'm not going to get into that. Okay. All right. Well, that's been the press conference. Thank you. Nope. The press conference still winning in 20 minutes. And then Mitch Kupchak still didn't tell you why you fired James Borrego or why Michael Jordan really fired James Borrego. Shh. We don't want you to know that. However...
I say that to say, what is it four weeks later? The most important thing he could have said was, how did you go from a six weeks uh, a six week journey to land Kenny Atkinson? Kenny Atkinson stun you a week later by saying, thanks, but no thanks, I'm staying in Golden State. I'd rather be the lead assistant in Golden State than the head coach of your team. And a week later, you came around to rehiring the guy you fired to hire the guy that you just fired. That's pretty, who wasn't in the coaching search for the guy that you just fired. That's that's a huge question. Because, listen, it's going to take a long time nationally for people to stop looking at, at the Hornets and Michael Jordan as what they are. Or what they have been, excuse me. Which is a laughing stock of an organization. You can't do anything about the narrative about this organization outside of here. If the last two years, seven, what is it, 76 wins in two years, if that doesn't start to change the narrative on the Hornets yet, if LaMelo Ball and his ascension to who I thought was such an entertaining and just brilliant player this year, look at, watch LaMelo play year two versus year one. Tons of growth, tons of excitement. And that forecast, great. If that doesn't change the narrative on the Hornets, it's going to take a lot. This isn't about the national narrative on the Hornets. It's about the local narrative. The Hornets and the buzz around this team, pun intended, the last two years has been the most buzz I've seen about this team in a really long time here. In any time, and, and it's important to point that out because – there are a lot of people in this town who remember when the hive was alive. If you've done your research, even if you're not a native charlatan, if you've done your research, you know how they sold out the hive with the first run of the Charlotte Hornets before George Shin ripped the heart out of this town 20 years ago. And this, this town, anytime this team does something fun, the Kemba Walker, my city, my moment, that moment, two games where Kemba was the talk of the NBA, the buzz in this town for a week was electric. The buzz the last two years has grown considerably. The excitement, the interest has grown considerably. In the last two weeks, or the last two months, and it's not about firing Borrego, but how they've acted since then has sucked the buzz out of this team. It's not going to be that hard to get it back because it is about LaMelo is such an infectious player. So is Miles. But man, yesterday answering the question, how did you go from Borrego to Atkinson to Clifford? And how how is this thing felt so herky-jerky? Mitch Kupchak failed in answering that. Now, here's what he succeeded in answering. He was also asked, there was a Q&A about bringing back Miles Bridges. There are reports saying that the Hornets have not uh, have not given him a max offer yet, that if he doesn't get that, he's going to be out. And here's the Q&A from Mitch Kupchak in the Steve Clifford press conference. How confident are you to still bring back Miles with the process that's going on right now? Well, we're, we're limited by the NBA rules as you know, to how how. Thoroughly, I could answer that question. You know, I will say, you know, as an organization, you know, we love Miles. Okay, and um, you know, we're going we're going to bring him back. Um, he's been great for the franchise. 
And I believe with his work, I think he's only going to get better. There was not one single misstep, which is saying something because Mitch had quite a few missteps in other answers. That was the perfect answer. That's what I needed to hear. Steve Clifford either will or won't succeed in this job. But the long-term hopes of the Charlotte Hornets lay in the talents of LaMelo Ball and following shortly behind him, Miles Bridges. So the definitive answer, now I'm going to hold you to it, Mitch. But that's the thing that the, that not just Mitch didn't just answer right. He answered 100% right. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line. Want to hear from you guys. Nick Wilson says on the Twitter machine, we've got Aditi Kinkabwala at noon. Five questions at 1240. At one, it's Will Kunkel of Queen City News. We got so much to get into today, but I'll ask you guys, what do you need to see to get comfortable with the Clifford decision and the trajectory, to get back to being comfortable with the trajectory of this organization? More on that on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. <laughs> Radio 92.7 FNZ. It is the Nick Wilson Show. A literal poop storm coming up in about 20 minutes here. My bad. However, we are talking about the uh, Steve Clifford reintroduction to the Charlotte Faithful. And this morning, uh, we heard him go at Mac, not in a disrespectful way, because they kind of have a a relationship from Steve Clifford's first time here. But uh, it's it's funny. I've seen a bunch of people say, Steve Clifford, he won me over. He won me over in the press conference. He won me over on the Mac attack. He won me over on Bailey. And by the way, I didn't really need winning over by Steve Clifford. I think he's a really good head coach. I'm hopeful that that he actually gets this done and he can just catapult this team to where I think they should be over the next four to five years. However, fit matters. Right, The process to naming a coach matters. And the one thing I like about Clifford, and I'm uh, one of the things I like about Steve Clifford, is he is a veteran coach, and he's... There's something he said yesterday, because there was, there was talk about, you know, kind of trying to do a, a roster analysis, or, or what else do you need on this roster? And he ended up kind of going into the fact that that's just not where he is in his assessment of this team. Let's go and play one, uh, 01B there, Fitty, because I thought this was this was maybe the best answer I'd heard from him, and it might not sound like the best answer you've heard. One of the biggest things I have to do, we, we, we've been meeting, is to put a staff together as soon as possible to get to know the players as quickly as I can and to spend the rest of my time watching film. Uh, when you, as a coach, the one thing you can't do in this league is guess. You know, you have to study, uh, try to become an expert on your team, and then you have a chance to put together a plan that can be successful. That's the fact that Steve Clifford could have come in yesterday and won the press conference even more by saying things like, well, I need two and two or three more uh, three and D players, or I need LaMelo to dot, 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 or I need Miles to dot, dot, dot. Steve, I think, understands that he's walking into a situation where I I was just talking about how in the city of Charlotte, Mitch Kupchak had a chance to kind of reset the ledger 
for people who are anxious about the, the, the status of this organization, the direction of this organization after this disastrous coaching uh, search? And he didn't do it. The, the most important question he could have answered yesterday is, how do we go from Borrego to Atkinson to Steve Clifford in a span of two and a half months, especially considering Atkinson backs out and a week later you hire the guy that you fired so that you could hire the guy you previously just, just now fired. But I think Clifford understood there was nothing that he could say yesterday as the new guy to completely calm the panic around Charlotte or around the NBA. But I think he understands as a guy who's been in an NBA locker room, especially a young NBA locker room, he has some work to do. There's going to be some cynicism here from a lot of these young guys who might not have relationships previously with Steve Clifford. So anything definitively that he would have said about the roster, about what guys can do better, I think the smartest thing that he could have said, especially considering that it took one week uh, since Kenny Atkinson said no thanks and Steve Clifford became the head coach, and it's only been another three or four days since that happened. In reality, Steve Clifford has only really had about 13 days to really truly get to know the Hornets roster. That sounds like a lot to you and me. Guys, it's not. Not for an NBA coach. And he said something in there about not guessing if you're the head coach. You have to really truly know your roster inside and out. hes I don't know how much film he's watched. I would venture to say he's watched enough film to have an educated opinion, but not enough to feel like he can you know, put a... He has a PhD on who the Hornets are right now and who they who they need to be. Educated theories, but maybe not all the way there. I thought that was a really good moment from Steve. I thought that was important. It sounds it is in effect it is a non-answer, but it was the right answer for that question about what does this roster need and where they need to go from here. And he went in like the morning show. I heard him say some other stuff. Uh, about this, and and I say that to say, and I, or I say that to play the sound from Hornets GM Mitch Kupchak, who reminded the the Hornets just won 43 games. James Borrego was fired, and essentially they they were fired. He was fired because they either didn't make a seven game playoff series, or they got they lost in the play in. So Mitch Kupchak yesterday went in on goals for this team and basically gave. An antithetical answer to something what Steve Clifford just said. I think we can be a better team, win more games. Is that 45 games, 47 games? You know, 49 games, I don't know. 51? Right? Um, 42? Certainly, I feel that we should be in contention or make the playoffs. You know, two or three years ago, that wasn't our position. You know, I think now that when we look at our team uh, and we look at the growth of the players and, of course, you know, hiring a coach that we feel can bring us to that next that next position, um, I'd like to think that and, – and our goal here is not to get in the playoffs, right, and get the A spot or win a round. I mean, that would be wonderful, but that's certainly not our owner's goal and that's not my goal. You know, my goal is to get this franchise into a position where we can not only make the playoffs, but advance in the playoffs. And at some point, I think the Western Conference, excuse me, the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals, you know, should be realistic, right? 
Someone get Mitch a sandwich yesterday. Like just a little peanut butter sandwich, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of energy in there, a little bit of pep. Uh, the funny thing is, because everyone reacted to the goal is not to make the playoffs. By the way, the goal is to make the playoffs. If the Hornets do not make a seven-game playoff series this year, somebody else should be fired. Because you can't do what you just did with Borrego, fire him, and then the thing, the reason why, well, you didn't get him over the hump. Year one, year one of Steve Clifford, they need to get over the hump. The hump is a seven-game playoff series. And by the way, you better look competitive in it as well. I think Steve Clifford can do that, but that's the hump. But I, I think what he was saying is the goal isn't just to get to one playoff series. The problem is, much like the answer on uh, – the, the, how it came to be that uh, that Steve Clifford went from not being a candidate, or sorry, being the guy that they fired four years ago to not being a candidate to being the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, the execution was pretty flawed there by by Mitch Kupchak. Uh, the goal is to make the playoffs, and I'll I'll actually ask you guys: Does the Clifford hire change your expectations for the Charlotte Hornets? Because it does not for me. When, when they had hired Kenny Atkinson, I had asked you guys, it was a four-year deal, and I'd asked you to to set the over-under, I'd, or rather, I had set the over-under at three and a half playoff ex, uh, appearances. And four playoff appearances in four years by Kenny Atkinson, given the history of the Hornets, would have been miraculous. But I had said, would you take the over or under? If I set the over-under for playoff appearances during his four-year contract at three and a half. Most people said it, it better be the over. Well, Steve Clifford has one less year on his contract, so I'll set the over under two and a half years. Or sorry, two and a half playoff appearances in the three-year contract of Steve Clifford. Because if Steve Clifford wants this to be seen as successful, I think it's got to be. I think they got to make playoffs all three of the next, all of the three next years. And I think at least in one of those years, there has to be at least one. You've got to make it to the second round of the playoffs at least once. These are at leasts. Anything above and beyond that's cool. But if you're uh, going into year two and you didn't make the playoffs this next year, Steve Clifford should absolutely be on the hot seat going into year two, assuming he gets a year two. If you win, if you go to the playoffs and get blown out four straight games, Going into year two, Steve Clifford's seat should be getting mighty hot. I understand the idea of patience and, and being very deliberate in the way you run your organization. That's all fine and good. The moment has come and gone for that. It is finally time. It is time to pull off, rip off the Band-Aid and say it's time to have expectations for the Charlotte Hornets. It was time already, but the Hornets have put themselves in this position. The, and I'm saying Michael Jordan... As the owner of the team, firing James Borrego has put this team in a position where now you're no longer a plucky upstart. Hiring a coach to get you over the hump means your ass better get over the hump. 704-570-9610. 704 number saying, uh, what is a half a playoff series w uh, winning a play-in? Huh? I'll have to figure that one out off the air. I thought he meant to say what was I think he was making fun of our over-unders. Uh, and apparently he might just not know how over-unders work. It'd be weird to be like two playoff appearances over-under. Because then you can still do, I'll just take two. Itty bitty. So remember back when Mike D'Antoni 
was appeared to be the front runner to get the job. And I and I went on record saying that I thought hiring D'Antoni, they win 50 games. Uh-huh. Does hiring Clifford and his expertise on the defensive side of the court, does that bump their win total up to where do you think Clifford could get them to 50 wins with this roster, which he said multiple times yesterday? Was is more better. talented than the 48-win team? Yes. Yes. Because I think that's what I wonder is – if, if if they get better defensively, do they still do they uh, do, does their win total increase if their offense decreases? He believes they can be a really good defensive team and a really good offensive team because he he quoted the you know the Warriors and the Celtics were both in the top ten. I don't know if they'll be that. Yeah, he said I, today on the Mac Attack. He said, "Can we be a top five offense and a top fifteen defense?" Right. Like like is if 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 that's the goal, what's mm-hmm. The, does the win total become 48 to 50? Because then you're not talking top six. You're talking top four in the Eastern Conference. Well, I, I don't think 40, 48 wins would have gotten you the four seed this year. Well, I mean, like. But most years. Okay, I understand the generality you're talking to. Um, yes. The answer is now one step is good, two steps is probably what the Hornets need to take. I, I think that's kind of where you are. And some of that, by the way, some of that's not about Steve Clifford. I probably would have had those expectations with Borrego. And I say probably because we don't know because he's not here. But like, you've got uh, like Lamelo. Lamelo is has got another jump in him, and if Lamelo takes another jump, and Miles is just who he was last year, and the rest of this roster kind of each takes their own little step forward, and you won forty three games last year with only half a season of Gordon Hayward. Yeah, especially if they're playing defense better. Steve Clifford called out the defensive rebounding thing. There's another thing that, you know, you, you're you better than the 28th best defensive rebounding team in the NBA. You should have more than 43 wins. Yeah, I, 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 I'll say it again. I think it's time to start having expectations. Not expectations is kind of, it's nonspecific. It's time to start saying it's, it's, it's time to start really believing the Hornets need to make big waves in the Eastern Conference. And that's and I don't mean, oh, trade for this player. That's some that's that has nothing to do. It's on the court. It's 45. It's not about the wins. You have to get a top six seed this year. A top four seed probably buys you some time as well if you get to host a playoff series. So that was be my next question. Let's say they go 45 and 37. Mm-hmm. A two win improvement. And the East regresses to the Eastern Conference we all know, love, and hate, where it's just eh. Uh-huh. And they're and they're forty five and thirty seven. They're a top four team in the East. Does that further justify the decision to to move on from JB to bring back the coach you fired to bring JB in? Because at some point they've got to justify firing James Borrego. Right now they haven't done that. I think for a fair amount of people it will. For me. That should be the expectation anyways. It would have been my expectation in year one, with they, Borrego. Yeah. Or in Borrego's year five. Yeah, but like, like year one, they've got to justify this decision. Yes. If 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 they win 43 games and go to a play-in game, again, it's a massive failure. Even if they win the play-in game, or if they're the 10th seed and they get to play in game two and then lose, it's a failure. But... Again, I don't know the expectation should be that different from Borrego to to Steve Clifford, nor should it have been that different from Mike D'Antoni. This team is too talented to not 
take a big leap or a significant leap again next year. Uh, 419 number saying, Nick, today I'd say the under two and a half playoffs in three seasons. If Hayward is not on the opening night roster and, and Bridges and Martin are, then I'd say the over. Over under two and a half playoff appearances uh, for the Hornets under Steve Clifford 2.0. And it was a literal bleep storm. Next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. It is the Nick Wilson Show. Coming up in just about an hour and a half. Aditi Kinkabwala joins us. Uh, longtime NFL Network reporter. She'll give us the latest in the quarterback situation in Carolina. Of course, if you missed any of today's show uh, so far, all hours, all bits, all interviews, WFNZ.com. Interesting uh, trade coming from the world of the NBA. And we're a little bit later in today's show. We're going to get a little bit deeper into some of the, uh, the moves that have been made here. Uh, but... The Denver Nuggets have traded uh, Will Barton and Monte Morris, who were their third and fourth leading scorers this year, for Cantavius Caldwell-Pope and Ish Smith. So they've swung this trade with the Washington Wizards. And I don't really get it. I really don't understand this trade. Uh, Washington just got better, by the way. That matters here in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the, the way it's being spun from Denver's perspective is that uh, they're getting more experience in its backcourt with uh, with Caldwell Pope offering additional outside shooting. I don't understand this deal by Denver. In the meantime, uh, this morning, little awkwardness this morning, a literal bleep show, if you will. Uh -huh. So um, the cabin is a great time, but there is a downside to the cabin. And the downside to the cabin, especially if you're on a diet or if you're on a lifestyle change like I am, is the first two to three days after the cabin because your body reacts. I spent uh, seven days in the, the backwoods of Ohio, the back mountains of Ohio, drinking and eating whatever the hell I wanted at any given point of the day. And let me just rest you. I just want everybody to know I drank and ate whatever the hell I wanted. There was steak. There were Reese's cups. Uh, there was so much booze that I can't really even kind of put it into uh, into kind of perspective for you. I'm not bragging. I'm just pointing out. I'm trying to hammer home what's happened to my body the last three days because I'm right back to walking every day. I'm right back to eating and doing my intermittent fasting. And there are some things happening. I'm not saying bubble guts. We're not dealing with bubble guts. But when I've been in need many times, I'm not somebody who likes to use public facilities to, uh, to go to the bathroom. The last two days, on the way home from work, I've had to do it both times, which, which has been really disheartening because public restrooms are icky. However, going to work the last two days, I've also had to rush to work so that I could use the facilities. Well, this morning... Let's just be honest about how this building works. You guys don't know this. I'm going to let you inside on how things work inside this building. And it's not just uh, our, our station. It's uh, it's WBT-TV as well. So it's us, uh, the two other radio stations in our cluster, and the TV station. And everybody in this building has their bathroom. Everybody does. I am a executive suite guy. Probably because I really like the name. I feel like there's some sort of power move 
going to the executive suite bathroom in the lobby. Itty bitty fitty, you are a downstairs pooper. Am I understanding? Yes, I I go downstairs and I there's two there's two bathrooms downstairs. Mm -hmm. There's a select toilet. I sit my butt on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why this is. I don't know if it's that in media we're all territorial baboons one way or another. I don't know if it's about that. I don't know if I'm just a little OCD. I don't know. Or if we're all a little OCD. I don't really know. But this morning, I go to use the men's executive bathroom. Jiggle the door. There is uh, there, there's somebody in there. So I immediately text Itty Bitty Fitty, who I know is a downstairs pooper. Are you in the men's bathroom on the executive level? And uh, your response, sir? It was no. And I am completely. When I, when I walked in to see you, I just issued a bigoma. Yeah. Because that was yep. that was how our morning started. Not a, hey, fella, how's it going? You just assumed. Yep. Because I poop here a lot. Uh, you at, do. At least once a day. If I eat lunch, it's usually I'm a twice a day pooper at the station. Okay. We don't need to keep saying the word pooper. But go ahead. You just assumed I was in the toilet. Okay, no, no, no. I actually think the offensive part is I assumed you were using a different toilet. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. And, yes, yes. The fact that I know where you like to go to the bathroom because you've shared it for me every time. Up, oh, gotta go downstairs. I know what that means. The <laughs> fact that I was like, I like, I, I assumed it was like a power play of this dude knows that's where I make a dookie in the morning, and this son of a gun has come up to my bathroom. I. <laughs> I'll be 100% honest. I was absolutely accusing you in the twi in the text of asking you, are you in the bathroom? So I did the thing I never do. So I'm already, okay. I tell you about the itty-bitty-fitty text to let you know this is the frame of mind I'm in. There's a bathroom that I go to, and even though there are three separate bathrooms in this building, I can't have it. That is my area, all right? That is my that is my litter box, and I was completely, I was I was emotional. I was a little upset by it. I was like, who dare dookie around the time that Big Daddy likes to dookie? And so I did the thing I never do. I went into the women's restroom right next to no, it. No, you didn't. It was, it was an absolute, guys, I don't think you can understand the amount of stress I was under. My body, after seven days in the cabin, was shedding itself. All right, it uh, shedding. I want to make sure everybody hears that word correctly. <laughs> but it was it was exercising demons of a week well spent in the woods eating crap and drinking crap for seven days. And this is the final day of it, which is always the worst day of it for some damn reason. So I went in there. And about 60 seconds in, and think think Jeff Daniels in Dumber's Dumber, uh, Dumber and Dumber. When he's on the turlet at at uh, at uh, Mary's house, when after he gets the laxative from Lloyd, that's where I was in the middle of, and I heard the worst thing you can hear when you're in the wrong bathroom. Uh, you can't really hear that. It is the jiggling of the handle to see if somebody's in there. Oh, oh, they they didn't knock. Nope, it was just a hand jiggle, and then as the person was walking away, they started talking to the receptionist in the lobby, and I and it was. And it was our own Pam. No. So not only, not only am I now going to the bathroom in the women's bathroom, feeling awful about it and feeling awful about what's happening in that bathroom. Now it's one of my personal friends that I am blocking from using the facilities. Guys, it made it worse. So then, and guys, it, 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 it smelt like I had just shed the devil. All right. It was it was god awful. And so I did the only thing I could think of. 
which is I basically did the janitor's job. I cleaned the whole bathroom, basically. All right? I hit that thing with so much Febreze or for so much air spray that you could barely breathe. It looked like you walked into like a smoky hotel lobby in 1960. That's how much <laughs> the just mist was in the air. <laughs> I made sure that there was nothing on the... I, I went through, all right? The toilet seat was fine. The you, toilet seat was put down. You made sure there was nothing on the seat? Made sure there was nothing on the seat. Made sure there was nothing on the ground. Even though that wouldn't have made sense, I wanted to make sure somebody else didn't do it and then I would get caught for it. I, I, it was a double flush. There, were, I'm telling you guys, I went as far out of my way to make sure that if pandemonium went into the bathroom after me, she would not be punished for for my issues. And I'm happy to report because she saw me coming out too, and just and she was just like you. Really? She hit me with, she kind of mommed me a little bit, which was totally justified. She was like, you? And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't go to the bathroom. Somebody was in my bathroom. I went full hacksaw on this, guys. I didn't even get to enjoy it. Damn near went full hacksaw on it. And so I said, I even told her up front, I'm so sorry. And I went old. I, I tried to clean this thing down. All right. I, I, hopefully there's no... Uh, no smell left. Hopefully, there's no problems there. And you know what she just told me as I was walking in the day? This was just a, this was just after your compliment that you said, I have the best calves you've ever seen. You know what she said to me? You did the best job of making sure that I didn't know you were ever in there. I'm absolved now, right? I'm absolved. Like, yes, it was a chotch move. I can own that it was a chotch move. But once you've been caught in a chotch move, the only thing you can do is make sure to absolve yourself as best as possible. There's not one way I possibly, possibly could have done that better, other than not going there in the first place. Or, had you really owned it, you just would have walked out in the blades of glory and whatever residue smell-wise was left, you leave it. What kind of psychotic power move are you suggesting here, Fitty? You want to do it better? Look, you're already in the women's bathroom. Uh-huh. She yeah. probably already narrowed it down that it was you. I'm trying to think of who else. There's Good. literally 50 people that work in this building. Yeah, but, but, not, but, not, but not many people need the executive suite to... To, to call their ego? Yes. So she probably she probably had her, you know, you in the top three. Okay, one, I'm now going to ask her that because I feel hurt by that accusation by you. <laughs> and two, the worst thing, I'm just, this is, this is, this is not uh, coworker to coworker. It's not host to board up. If you ever in your life want to get married, the worst thing you can do is blow up a bathroom right before a woman goes into it. And then just be like, it's your problem, sis. The worst thing you can do. I'm going to need you to work on your gentlemanly skills there. So if the if, if the shoe was on the other foot, though, and the woman was in our bathroom, mm -hmm. would we expect the woman to clean our bathroom? Well, if if the shoes were on the other, yes, because women women get a lot more embarrassed about that kind of stuff than you and I do. Like if, if, it, if I was in the men's room, I wouldn't have given it in. Oh, oh, you have to walk in there? Ha <laughs> ha. But it is, there is something, one, I guarantee you, I actually acted like a woman in this situation. 
I because I did everything that a woman would do. If a woman got caught using the men's executive bathroom here, she would have done everything that I did, which is make sure that there wasn't a uh, an afterglow smell. Make sure that everything was taken care of, right? Because it's a very thoughtful act. So that to me tells me I'm very thoughtful. Some might say womanlike. You. Not very thoughtful. I feel like you are now the heel in this situation, saying I should have just blown the damn thing up and walked out. Stanford PA agrees for me. But you know what I think I figured out? Usually Beth Troutman comes in tomorrow with stories at 1040. Yeah, where are we going with this one? You lead <laughs> off tomorrow's bet with bit with Beth with, with this story and see what she thinks. 704-570-9610. What's the worst faux, faux, what is it? faux poo you can have? What are your uh, bathroom-related faux pas or pet peeves when we come back i'm not saying it's gonna happen but i'm also not saying it's not going to happen either sports radio 92.7 fnc